It's Kitchen Table Spirituality, an evening devotional. With your hosts, Charlie Eastman and Jonathan Malone. Charlie is the pastor of Pilgrim Congregational Church in Southborough, Massachusetts. And Jonathan's down there at First Baptist Church in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Although, from where you are, he might be up there. In right, yeah, I guess it depends. Hey, Church, help me out. I mean, you're mm-hmm. not a... You're, you, my voice cracked a little bit. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> this is a very upsetting topic for me. I know you're not a Rhode Island native. I'm not a Rhode Correct. Island native. Well, I did grow up in Mystic, so I'm an so, honorary Rhode Island Right, Rhode so native. kind of... Well, no, they won't... No, nope, nope. No, not at all. Um, Either in Westerly or you're not in Westerly. Yeah. Calamari? Calamari. How did calamari become like a major dish from Rhode Island? It is? It was mentioned in the De- Democratic National Convention, like the calamari comeback kids or something when the Rhode Islanders made their statement. I, they also talked I'm about coffee milk it. and doughboys. I get those. That's coffee milk, I understand. Yeah, 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 coffee milk, it's fine. I like it. It's good. Yeah. But the calamari, I... I to me, calamari is an eastern seaboard kind of owned yeah, thing. I, yeah. don't, I don't feel like one state, no matter how passionate about it, owns calamari. On the other right. hand, it's my understanding that just by saying those things, you own them. Like cheesesteaks, Philadelphia. Philadelphia right. cheesesteak. But you can get it. I know this is blasphemy. You can get a cheesesteak anywhere or, or pizza. You don't just go to Pepe's or you know the other great Connecticut establishments. Pizza's made all, I don't know. No, I'm sorry. I don't know. Okay. I I first tasted calamari in New York City yeah. when I was a waiter there. Sounds like a good place to try it. It was darn good. Amazing. With garlic aioli and... I think so it would be good. great. Calamari would be great in Italy. I, I can only imagine... <laughs> Me too. The, ...the scope and power of calamari in Italy or Greece or... Oh, wow. Yeah, right. I also like the idea of the scope and power of calamari. Now I've made calamari into an anime villain. Oh, um, like in my it. mind, in my mind, calamari is this big monster. I'm making for those who are at, who aren't able to see it. I'm making big hand motions like roar, calamari. He's like a veritable okay. kraken before me. Yeah, a kraken. Yeah. How are things going at um, Southboro? Hey, they're good. You know, worship continues on to the best of our ability. Uh, we're getting ready to uh, reveal our new vision statement. Right. We are on the verge of putting together our um, incoming plan for how we get into the building no later than September 20th at the oh, time fantastic. of this recording. That's the plan. Okay. And uh, we're, we're just really looking forward to it. It's, so, yeah. it's, it's great. Last week, you gave us a little hint about mm-hmm. your vision statement with the three action words, which I was able to guess without a problem. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a gift. Um, could you give us another hint about the vision statement? Oh, I like this. I like this series. Uh, well, it includes three uh, objects fr- to those action words, of those action words. Lamp. Three. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> Apple. Potatoes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sit potatoes. Run lamp. <laughs> What was your middle verb? I honestly don't remember. <laughs> oh, no. We have to go back and listen. Yeah. I, I believe you've just transcribed the entire vision statement. I just vision transcribed statement. the vision statement. It sounds like a How very tasty and illuminating vision statement. Oh, see, I like what you've done there. Yeah. Uh, you, you are welcome to come to uh, meeting, meetings as an ex officio anytime. Oh, nice. That means I don't have a vote. The, exactly. Yeah. No, so I, I look forward to hearing more about the vision statement. I, I know you your people look forward to reading it in the next Spire that will be coming out. Indeed. Yes. 
Well done. Thank you. And I will not make any jokes about where to read it this time. Right. Some jokes need to just stay indoors right. for a while. Or, in, or between the ears of those that thought of them. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good. So, and, and, and how are things at East Greenwich? Things at East Greenwich are going... Did, did you um, have a good... Didn't you take something I was on vacation. Week? So I, uh, I got back. Very I idea. You know, it's, it's a shocker to some people, but I was back in the mountains. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, Jeremiah, the 17-year-old, he was finishing his 46 high peaks in the Adirondacks. Oh, sweet. Um, so he has now climbed all 46 peaks that are over 4,000 feet. Wow. Uh, so, That's yeah. exciting. So, yeah, very exciting. So he, he joins a long list of people who have done that. Um, really? Is that well, a long list? My number, when I, I finished it... I never even thought to do it. I was number 10,468. Wait, in all of humanity? Well, recorded history. That's. I think that's a select few. Oh, okay. I'll take people it. People of power and, and purpose. Well, I, I'm just blown away. Oh, to thanks. be part of a list that only 10,000 people have bothered to register for? That's I guess, that's yeah, you amazing. put it... That, you know what? Thanks for putting in that context. That was nice. Hmm. Um, so we'll see what number he gets. Indeed. Um, I can't, I, yeah. yeah, you have to tell us. You have yeah. to tell us next time. I really okay. want to know. Um, it will take a little bit. It takes a while for them to get back to us. They do okay. it all at the end of the year. Um, oh, so, oh, oh, all right. Well, so. I won't hold my breath, yeah. but I'll I didn't I'll want you to get too excited. So I know there was a great service that Nancy did. Um, this next Yay, Sunday Nancy. is our mm-hmm. final outdoor service. Oh boy! At ten o'clock, and this it's time it's at time. Academy Field. So our oh. outdoor service has been a different place every time, which has been fun. I love that. Is it yeah. hard to find other places, or is it? No, just... we just like to change it up. It just makes. And it... are they places you have connections with already, or are you reaching some out? of them? But Academy mm-hmm. Field is a town park, um, nice. not far from the church. Uh, so we had to get a permit for it this time, but it's oh, it's yeah. kind of nice to be in a very public area and to have worship. It it kind of makes you think about um, witnessing in public. Now, when you guys gather outside, is there a limitation that uh, Governor Raimondo or other um, you know it changes? If, have... I feel like it changes from week to week. If if it's a catered uh-huh. event, then um, a hundred is wow. the limit. Still we really are trying to keep it to fifty, yeah. just to be safe. Uh, and. I, I believe we're going to try to do food again. So, people, we had a great time at the last outdoor service. If you want to bring food, just make sure they're individually wrapped ahead of time. And we'll, we'll provide drinks. Uh, we Amen to individually wrapped. Yeah. Isn't that great? Our the amount of plastic life. bags I had to wash afterwards. We, uh, we uh, try to reuse our Ziploc bags, and I just had so many Ziploc bags because my kids just had to eat all the cookies. <sighs> that, that is kind of the... Stock and trade of the pastor's children. Um, yeah, yeah. Whether they know it or not, they're part of a, a long and storied tradition <laughs> of first ones at the snack table. Yeah, right. And then everyone says, you have boys, take this home. Oh, and of course they do. And yeah. I appreciate that. That is that is nice. You do, in fact, have boys, and they, they do, in fact, continue to eat. Holy they? cow, do they ever. One, one is eating through my door right now as we're trying to recover. Uh, stop oh, it! Back! No! Just Stop! Okay, you sorry, got to your 46th peak. Now calm down. I know, right? Yeah, enough for you. You think? But they a, and enough be... about them, honestly, John. Yeah, seriously. Let's talk about you. Oh, right. <laughs> Let me drop it right in your lap there. Yeah, thanks. Apparently, you took a path to be to come to be sitting on this podcast today, and we're not going to hear the whole path that gets us to today necessarily. But right, right. 
we're very interested, as as I thought we were interested to hear my story, we're very oh, interested yeah. in hearing your path to ministry and, and ordination. How long have you been ordained, Jonathan? I've been ordained for 20 years now. I was ordained in 2000. I started serving professional ministry in 1999, but I was ordained in 2000. Wow. One year before the great resurgence and then the long drop-off in the Christian faith <laughs> in the United States. There was a year of great resurgence? Oh, 2001, after 9-11. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that, Church is filled. Everybody said it's, it's the new normal. Yeah, now everyone wasn't. will be in church every Sunday. Sorry, yeah, I'm not. That's not a different so much. story. You're not bitter well, about that still, are you? Not at all. We'll talk yeah. about that later. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I was yeah ordained in 2000. I was ordained at my the church I grew up at, which is Emmanuel oh. Baptist Church in Albany, New York. All right. A fine church with fine people doing fine things. All right. I, I appreciate <laughs> that sense of it. Yeah. So so tell <laughs> us, did anything happen before that ordination? So yeah. Um, Growing when did up, you first? What was your? No, early, I was just. Charlie, I, I was drunk the night before. I woke up, not sure what. Someone grabbed me and said, stand here and say yes to everything. And the next thing I Wait, knew, I was a pastor. Is, is this, am I ordained? <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. You guys. <laughs> they handed me keys to a church, and that was it. Oh, I, you know, man. <laughs> that's the last time I drank bathtub gin. And I wish I was. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so growing up, um, I was always involved, very involved in the church, in Emmanuel Baptist. Um, you know, very sim- similar to you. I was, I was a precocious child. I enjoyed getting involved in the Bible studies and Sunday school. Um, I'm not a pastor's kid. My parents were just very involved as well and wanted their kids to be involved and just took us, took us to church. Um, you know, so, you know, as a child, as a youth especially, I was involved in leadership activities uh, with the church and then also with the denomination on the statewide level. Uh, very involved in the camping ministries. I know you went to Whiteman in, in Connecticut. I went to Pathfinder, which is in Cooperstown, New York. Um, mm-hmm. it's, Cooperstown is known for Camp Pathfinder. It's also known for something and else. I'm not some other activity. Yeah, I, I don't remember do what, but yeah, it, it, that doesn't matter. Um, but the, I mean, camping, also Omagong Brewery, but maybe that doesn't figure. It in wasn't there at that story. time. It was there later. Unfortunately, Probably for the best, it might have been a very different story for me. Um, I don't, folks. I don't really drink. I mean, I drink no, a little bit, but I, I'm not a heavy drinker at all. Yeah, <laughs> he wouldn't my, even know that Omagong was one of the first American breweries to feature the the um, the uh, Belgian style of ale production. So, oh, so maybe it was there at that time. Eh, who knows? I don't know. So, um, when I was 10 years old, I was baptized, which is on the earlier side for for American Baptists. Yeah. Um, but I just said, no, I, I really I really believe this. And, and the essence of that I still hold to, which is, you know, I want to give myself to God and, and just be a servant of the Lord. Um, and, and that was also, I went to the pastor, Al Porteus was the pastor at that time, and said, I think I want to be a, a minister. And he said, okay, good for you. And that was about it. Um, throughout high school, I had two major tracks that I focused on. One was church. The other was music. Uh, and and it was they really were the the two foci of of my energy and attention. Oh, I love when you get to use the word foci. I know, right? Now tell me, church and music. I just want a clarification. 
yeah. uh, as, as very separate activities or as a unified whole at that time? Um, both and. Okay. I, would, I would bring the music into church now and again, but, you know, at, you know people know, or some people know I'm a, I'm a bassoonist. Um, and so classically trained, I was playing in youth orchestras, playing in other small ensembles. So that aspect I was really focused on as well. So, mm-hmm. um, when I was thinking about college, I was thinking about being a professional musician. Oh, wow. A professional classical musician, because I heard about all of the, the lifestyle of the classical musician, the rowdiness, the parties. And I thought oh, that's yeah. for me. Intoxicating. Feel Intoxicating. Fun. Yeah. No, um... I mean, I just love to play. I still do. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a moment where I thought, maybe I can find a good Christian college with a good music program. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Christian colleges that think they have a good music program. I know. I really Send I'm, email to 12 and up. <laughs> yeah, 12 and up at gmail.com. You can say, no, no, what about this school? And I will... Um, my full snobbery will come right out. Oh, it will. Now, you're looking for a, a, a Christian college with a good classical program. Yeah. And even further, not exactly an instrument that is... Uh, what's the polite... What's the diplomatic... You won't find it in a this? praise band. Exactly. Yeah. Not not part of where Christian music was going at the time. Right. Yeah. So I, I said, I'll be a classical musician, and I'll still witness, I'll still talk about Jesus, and then that's how I, I'll do it. So I went to, mm-hmm. uh, I made peace with that, um, and I went to Oberlin, uh, mm. to the Conservatory of Music there, which is, I would consider a fine school really of music. School. Yeah. Uh, and um, two years in, I, I made it two years, but then the second year, my sophomore year, I had attended another youth program in New York. I was like on the finding ending stages of my leadership there. Just um, a church focused, you mean not music? Yeah, that was church. Yeah, so that was a, uh, the New York State Baptist Youth Gathering. Um, I was going to what at that time was First Baptist Church at Oberlin. Now it's Peace Community Church, um, mm. an excellent church. And Steve and Mary Hammond were pastors there for many many years. Oh, They've cool. retired, and um, that church is called a uh, transgendered pastor, which is just fantastic. Um, so good, good church. And so going to church there, um, so still involved uh, with the church in one way or another. And I, was, I remember, I don't remember the exact date, but I remember sitting in the pew before worship started and just feeling this isn't enough. Mm. Um, this isn't enough. Uh, and this really, this pull to say you need to be a leader. Because uh, where I was going, the track I was headed was more, I'll, I'll go to church, you know, I'll you know, serve on a board, I'm sure, and I'll, I'll be true to my faith, but I'm going to be a musician. Yeah. And, and really the call is you need to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where I, the, the shift really started to happen. Uh, you know, I had good conversations with my pastor at home. It was, it was Roy Donkin. Uh, uh, he's now in California somewhere. I don't okay. remember. I mean, California geography is meaningless to me, so I, it doesn't... <laughs> Looking like a true East Coaster. Yeah, right? I mean, all mm-hmm. we know, it's, it's over there. It's That's over right. there. Uh, so spoke to him, spoke to the Hammonds, uh, did a lot of prayer. And I made this decision that I was, was going to go into the ministry. Wow. So before you went to any sort of training, yeah. ministry was going to be the focus. That wasn't a question. Yeah, it, that was... Yeah, so it was after, in my sophomore year of college and just wow. pastoral ministry and... Um, because of that, you know, so Oberlin has a certain expectation, certain standard of excellence. 
Yeah. Uh, and you, you really need to practice six or eight hours a day. I'm sure be you able- do. Yeah. yeah. And, and for a while I was doing it. But once mm. that drive changed, yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Um, so I transferred to the State University of New York, Potsdam, the Crane School nice. of Music. Um, folks there in New York know, as, know them as the SUNY schools, which is an excellent system of schools. My sister serves a SUNY school purchase. Oh, SUNY Purchase. Oh, good. Yeah, she's an interlibrary loan and in the library system there. Ah, oh, lovely. Important uh, work. It is. So uh, it's still a fine music school, the Crane School of Music. I got mm-hmm. a degree in music, but the standards are a little less. Okay. I was able to get away with three hours of practicing a day. Nice. Just, so you didn't yeah. abandon music at that point. You, no, You no. saw it through. I did. I mean, I was halfway done anyways and, you know, wanted to... I did want to continue to play music. I, like I said, I still play the bassoon. I still... Um, play with groups here and there. It's a, yep. it's a deep love of mine and a deep part of mine, a part of who I am. Um, but mm-hmm. I just, I made that transition. And when I graduated from college, uh, I, I looked at seminaries. I applied to a number of them. The two mm-hmm. I looked at primarily were Colgate Rochester Divinity School in Rochester, New York, and Andover Newton mm-hmm. in, uh, in Boston and decided to go to Andover. Mm. Um, so right from college, went right to, to seminary. And... Yeah, and that's always been, you know, the seminary experience is a formative experience in mm. it, in its own way. And you experienced it at a much younger age than I did. I I wasn't at seminary till I was 30. You were in at 22? I was at yeah, 22, 23. I was newly yeah, Rebecca and I got married 2 weeks after I graduated from college and then wow. that fall that's went great. to seminary. Yeah. Um so very uh, an older uh style, an older approach that one that it hasn't really, mm-hmm. I don't know yeah, if it's yeah. done anymore or not. You know, and I'll tell you though, Charlie, part of the challenge, so seminary itself, I, I you know, I, I think there's some similarities that we have with, especially the church growing up. We both grew up in somewhat progressive churches mm-hmm. and, and have this kind of, I, I love how you, last week you talked about the punk Jesus. <laughs> um, and I think Oberlin is still part of that in me as well. And that's mm-hmm. a part of who I am. Um, so there's, there's this constant anti-institutionalism that's a part of me. Mm. Uh, and I remember that, and that was always there through seminary, this, this kind of like, but we could do better, or we don't have to accept the way things are. Kind of this questions you were wrestling with, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you were in New York City. Uh, uh, and I remember when I got my first call, and it was the First Baptist Church in Dayton. I was the associate mm-hmm. pastor there. Um, I was wrestling with being confined, being forced into a box of sorts. Hmm. Is this Dayton, Ohio? Dayton, Ohio, um, home of the Wright brothers, birthplace of aviation. Just wanted to make sure to get that stuff out there. Um, You have to. Yeah, yeah. It's part of the byline. Yeah, it is, it is. Their lawyers Um, would contact us if we didn't say that. Yeah, I know. (laughs) They're always listening. (laughs) They are. Uh, They should work on their city. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, did you work on their church? I did. It, it's a good church. <laughs> Touche. Uh, but there was a challenge of, you know, these expectations of, well, you're the pastor now. Even even though you're an associate, you should dress a certain way. Um, you oh, should act a certain way. You know, wear a yes. tie. Um, uh-huh. Wear slacks to work. These kind of things. And I Slacks. Slacks. Yeah. That's a word. Yeah. You know, it was there that I got my first tattoo. Uh-huh. And, and, and the first tattoo was the first tattoo I ever got. And it was, um, or it still is, because it's kind of permanent. Born to ride. 
Born to ride, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's the word uh, is in Greek, logos. Mm-hmm. Um, and for our, uh, so, so, so folks can know, that means word. Mm-hmm. And for me, it, it, it helps kind of capture my sense of call. Because mm-hmm. uh, I felt this tension about the institutional church and my sense mm-hmm. of call. And it, it's a question of, am I called to serve the church or to serve the word? Because mm-hmm. uh, I felt this pressure to serve the church. To become the idea of the pastor that people wanted me to be, okay. or that I assumed they wanted me to be, I was wrestling right. with that. But the word um, may fit within the confines and the expectations of the church, or may not. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that that tattoo for me is a reminder of my call. I'm not called primarily to serve the church. Okay. I'm called to serve Christ. And and you're aware that. It's possible one or two of your parishioners might hear this this podcast. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand. Is some this do a listen. sentiment that they've already that's already been shared and explained for them, or or not? Is this? New? I don't know if I've ever articulated it that way before. Interesting. Um, because yeah, I, I have this professional um, career of serving churches. <laughs> you kind of do, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been doing it for a bit now. <laughs> yeah, to support to support the bassoon. To support my my bassooning ambitions. Someday I'll be recognized and discovered. (laughs) If if it could happen to anybody, it clearly should happen for you. Well, thank you, Charlie. That was very kind. Um, I'm I'm, I'm not asking to to stir the pot or anything. I'm just curious that, you know, I wonder if they would think about their church experience that way as well. That that if they are parishioners of a particular church, are they also called... To place the spirit and and part of what we're talking. Well, I'll wait. All right. Enough, well, I think there's there, that's been a t- I've been serving older churches, not congregation wise, but yes to a degree, but also building wise. Established churches. Established churches. churches that's a better way yeah. to put it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this, the church East Greenwich has had its 175th anniversary in the time I've mm-hmm. been there. Praise God. Um, yeah, a wonderful legacy of ministry, and uh, mm-hmm. you know that's that's really good. But I've noticed in those more established churches, there is a real tendency to idolatry of the building and the institution. Okay. You know, my father was here, my grandfather was here, I'm going to be here no matter what. Mm-hmm. But what if Christ calls you elsewhere? No, nope, going to be here. Or this building is going to be here no matter what. Yeah. Uh, and... And um, I am very hesitant to judge that approach because I can I get how easy it is to get there. The love of that church and the memories you've had there, mm. oh, um, the history yeah. you have there, it is powerful and the profound. Lives that touch yours there, yeah. Yep. Um, so there always is that tension of saying, "We serve Christ first, mm-hmm. you know, and the church is just the tools through which we serve the Lord." Uh, and, and that, yeah, that, that's a challenge for me because I, you know, I've made a career out of this and, you know, I feed my children through being a pastor, uh, mm-hmm. you know, keep a roof over our head through being a pastor. And there are times when I know I wrestle with, am I not taking a stand or am I not preaching this sermon because I want to make sure I keep my job? Mm. Am I serving yeah, the institution? Yeah, we've all wrestled with that. Yeah. Any Every pastor, pastor you've yeah. ever met. Yeah, any pastor that does, has not wrestled with that is either just not in touch with what's going on in the world or can't keep a church There's for very long. Yeah, right. 
Yeah, both. Um, both are yeah, operative. Yeah, probably both. <laughs> <laughs> so that, you know, when I think about my call, that, that continues to be a challenge of mine. Hmm. Um, I, I, I love people. I really do. And, and I see that there is such... Uh, the, the, to, to be a Christian for me is, can be so liberating mm-hmm. uh, and can really bring in this sense of peace into life. Uh, and I want people to have that. That's where that, that love of people. When I see people struggling and suffering, I really want to help them. Mm-hmm. And I think the church can be such a profound and powerful way in which we are there for others. But I also see us getting in our own way again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And, and Charlie, I'd be lying to say if there weren't times when I wonder if maybe there are better ways to serve, to serve Christ. Okay. <clears throat> but for and- now, I mean... For my parishioners, I love being your pastor. I am blessed. <laughs> let me make sure I get my let me get a job security here. <laughs> but, yeah, but you do I, love I'm, them. I'm, I've I've heard you speak about your love for them off microphone. Yeah, more than I've heard you speak about it on microphone. It's, so it's I a it's a really there there it's a good church, and you and I know there are many unhealthy churches out there. Churches we describe as clergy killers. Yeah, there are many yeah. out there, and they when you. When you find a church that isn't, that's healthy, that deals with conflict in a healthy manner, mm-hmm. boy, what a blessing that is. And It I've, recognizes its place in a changing landscape yeah. um, now more than ever. Yeah. Uh, churches that, that, that recognize that their church is made up of the individuals in the church and not just the brick-and-mortar structure, uh, people that understand that when they get to church, they're supposed to put on an apron, not a bib. Um, mm. Churches that, nice. that really... I, I'll, explain where I stole it from another time. Yeah. Um, definitely. I, I want to circle back. I have a couple yeah. questions. Go ahead. Go uh, ahead. Is this a good point? To this is a good point. Okay, yeah. Good. I love your story because it, it brings throughout, it brings in this sense of, of wrestling, which is a time honored theme in scripture, but, mm. but not, not wrestling with the right. Often, often people like me, are, are on like the Jonah plan, which is run, 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 until we realize <laughs> that there's just no way we can't do this. Your experience is very different because mm. at, at 10 years old, you were able to articulate you wanted to give yourself to God. Yeah. Or, or even if you couldn't, you understand that you had that feeling. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really interested to know when you announced to Oberlin that you were... <laughs> that you were leaving, what kind of feedback did you get from the people at Oberlin? Did you get feedback from them? Mm. Well, so I, my bassoon professor at the time, he, he said, he, he, we talked about it a bit, and, and he said, yeah, I get it. Because he, he saw a change in my playing and my practicing and such. Oh, okay. um, but he said, I'd go to your church. And I'm like, oh, oh that's nice. That is um, you know, other people had a, a somewhat similar reaction, a kind of respect Oh, for okay. for that dedication, and and I think I'm gonna try to not. It's it's gonna be kind of a humble brag, if I may. Take it away. Um, you know, we had campus crusades were not at Oberlin, but InterVarsity was, and InterVarsity okay. was. You know, Oberlin is a very progressive liberal context. Yes, it is. So InterVarsity was very countercultural to Oberlin. Aha. So they were very much similar, like, you know, we've got to be strong in our faith, we've got to draw firm lines, we've got to say no to things like homosexuality, that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, 
I just couldn't, they just, they weren't my people. I just couldn't run mm-hmm. with them. I really tried too, but I just yeah. couldn't do it. Um, so I didn't have that kind of persona about me. I was, you know, I, I wasn't shy about my faith, but I wasn't overt either. You know, Sunday mornings I went to church and I would get back and people would say, oh, where were you? I said, well, I went to church and now I'm back and so that's fine. And mm-hmm. um, So I think there was a, a sense of safety around me. Um, some people did ask about faith to me, mm-hmm. which was very meaningful. So when I said, I, I think I need to do this, you know, professionally, there was a sense of like, yeah, we can see that in you. We And mm-hmm. we know you would be one of the good ones, they would say, mm-hmm. which isn't, you know, that... I hope that they're all good ones, but I, I knew what they meant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I know what they meant, too. Yeah. Especially coming from a progressive context. <clears throat> Excuse me. like that. Um, one of the hallmarks of your story is this, this, um, this sense of owning authentically who you, who you are. Hmm. You know, a, a lot of us, when we learned that there was a possibility to do something like music, would have picked up guitars and said, let's rock on. Uh, you you followed this path of I have this instrument and it matters to me so much so that you are still a practicing bassoonist. I don't know how many people there are to to me that says as much about your faith as mm. as all the direct faith experiences because it speaks of something that you have that I do not have that many of us don't have and that's constancy that mm. that's that abiding sense that this is a part of who you are and it's a part of your authenticity. And, and I just, I love that that was a part of the early story with, with youth orchestra and trying to make time for both church and that, and that I imagine there were moments of, oh, of yeah. disruption where you couldn't be both places at once. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a real it, gift. It, Thanks. Thank yeah. you for saying that, Charlie. That, that's I, very I meaningful. That. And, and out of authenticity, comes when when dissatisfaction comes mm-hmm. you can't hide it you can't right. pretend because that honesty has been such a part of your journey you can't you can't pretend like yeah that's okay i need to be a leader <laughs> i'll lead the bible study in the orchestra i guess yeah you know, some people well, might have i'll tell you what that's done um so we're doing a capital campaign we're trying to renovate our church house Oh, nice. And and that is not something I went into seminary to do, hmm. to do fundraising and project planning and thinking about you know the <laughs> Maybe tiles. Maybe you didn't, but right. I expected you would. <laughs> I know, I know. So what I've had to do before even undertaking this, because to, to offer some leadership, we have great people leading it, but I know I need to offer leadership as well. Is really to pray about it and to say, what's the bigger picture? Mm-hmm. And is it just we have this great building and we just want to keep it up? Because I can't, I can't get behind that. If that's the only reason we're doing it, then I'm out. Yeah. But it's we have this asset, this tool to do ministry, mm-hmm. and it's going to start to get in the way if we don't repair it. And boy, we could do even so much more if mm-hmm. if we build it up that much more. So now it's I'm not raising money for the building. I'm raising money to do ministry. I'm Absolutely. raising money to be a presence. And you've probably got members who can follow you in that feeling. But you've probably also got members who just need every chance we get to yeah. enlarge and empower the physical space of this church is a chance to bridge the walls against time and, and to right. ensure that it'll be here in the future. And honestly, you can serve both those masters. Oh, yeah. This is not an either-or. Yeah, it's definitely not. But I needed to come to a place where I needed to be able to speak authentically 
yeah. to why I, I'm asking people to give lots of I, money. I believe it. And and that <laughs> authenticity and dissatisfaction intention is part yeah. of what's what's bringing you, I believe, into this this moment of of wrestling with tradition versus spirit, mm. um, serving church versus serving Christ. And I guess the the only reflection I can offer on that is, uh, you know, when you're able to authentically serve Christ at a particular church. Yeah, you, you know, you know that you're doing that when you're doing it. And and when you can't do that any longer, well, that's a conversation you'll have to have. Either things have to change where you are, or or you have to change where you are. Yeah. Um, but but I think I think it's great when when you can be at a place like East Greenwich and feel affirmed in in serving Christ by people that that may share exactly that motivation or maybe a shade of it in a different sense. But right. That's great. Well, good. Thanks, Charlie. I hope, Great story. Yeah. I hope these two episodes were meaningful to people. Hmm. Um, yeah, you know, throughout them, we, we do have yeah. that sense that we interacted with others yeah. who affirmed and confirmed the gifts. Um, we, have, we, have, we both had an early sense mm-hmm. uh, in our lives about, about God speaking and, and being somehow there was a possibility. There was a door open there. I feel yeah. like with your story, I get more of a sense of that, that duty to... Um, and I don't mean duty in a in a hampering or restrictive sense, but right. but uh, that privilege to be able to say I, I want I'm I'm on God's team. Yeah, I'm, th- this matters at an early enough age that it that it was able to guide a number of your choices. Um, and I also think you know you the gravity that it takes to to practice any instrument three hours a day <laughs> is part of what I think allowed you to come through. And I'm I'm kind of mm. adding some of my own sense of your yeah. story that I've learned after this story. But it's it's part of what allowed you to get through seminary from from twenty two to twenty five or whatever oh, yeah. it was that, intact. That was tough. Because you you had that that sense to be able to to knuckle down and focus enough and you, as a result, you now have a, a life that is steeped in uh, theology and mm. and you're still interested in in reading and and writing about theology and and discussing it you're still involved at the you've been involved in the denominational level supporting God's wider work in the churches so I think oh. it's it's all served you well well thanks Charlie we should yeah. do this again because this was good for me we will at your funeral <laughs> <laughs> so as I, we move no, to right. as we move to prayer yeah. <laughs> I have a, <laughs> sorry, that's really good. When my grandmother turned 90, she's now passed away, 90 or 95, I don't remember what, uh, probably 90. Yeah, uh-huh. um, we had a big gathering, big party for her, and everyone said yeah. wonderful things to her. And I did say to her, and she had the sense of humor where I could get away with it. Yeah. I said, I hope you're enjoying this, Grandma, because the next time we do something like this, it'll be at your funeral. <laughs> What'd she say? She laughed. She said, good. you're right. <laughs> good for her. So I have a prayer from mm-hmm. Martin Luther. Hey, good old ML. Uh, Martin Luther is a, a DJ who has been mostly in the in the Bronx, a little I, bit. In I Brooklyn. love his later work. Now it's he's just going from strength to strength. Yeah, yeah. He's always, you know, what he's always doing. He's always changing his beats. He's always <laughs> reforming. He, he <laughs> is. He's, he's never happy with the status beat quo. Right, right, right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, started out with just basic house music and now it's uh, electric and moving on to new things. Martin Luther, um, if you aren't queer of the jokes we're making, please look him up. Uh, he lived from 1483 
1546, he saw it. He was it. an early riser. An early riser. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. It's, it's just dad joke central today. <laughs> that was good. That was good. I don't know why that was so funny for me, but it really was. So, Charlie, I think, I, I imagine you've heard this prayer before, but I think you'll okay. enjoy it. Um, I, I often enjoy returning to the, the classics. Um, all right, let's, let's pray. God, we thank you for the convictions that you place on our hearts. Help us to hear them. Give us the courage to respond and follow. Especially in this time when we see so much hurt and need. Help us to respond in the ways that you see our best. Lord, help us to claim our Christian authenticity. Help us to understand why we arrived in these vocations in the first place, and to consider that everyone around us has a vocation in Christ as well. And, and it's important to celebrate these stories and reflect on them, especially when the playing field changes the way it has this year. God, give us a sense of, of courage to, uh, to really follow through on the things that matter to us most. And from Martin Luther... Lord, you know how unworthy I am to fill so great and important an office. Were it not for your counsel, I would have utterly failed long ago. Therefore, I call upon you for guidance. Gladly will I give my heart and voice to this work. I want to teach the people. I want always to seek and study in your word and eagerly meditate upon it. Use me as your instrument. Lord, do not forsake me. If I were alone, I would ruin everything. Amen. Amen. <laughs> perfect. I love that That's prayer. That's perfect. If I were alone, I'd ruin everything. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, that's, that's a sense we, we need all the time in church when we're trying to serve Christ. <laughs> we, we really do. Yeah. And the hallmark of these stories, I think, is, yes, it's all about us, but, but it's about so much more. Yeah, definitely. God in Christ and all of it. But folks, let us know what your stories are, or if you're wrestling with a sense of call, and it doesn't have to be to ministry, it could be, I mean, to uh, ordain ministry, but to something. Uh, And you can send in, uh, you can talk to us directly, or you can email 12enough at gmail.com, or our own individual um, email addresses. But thank you very much for listening. I hope that the summer is ending well for you. Indeed. Have a great week. Bye.